Hello and welcome to Bebel Show. Very exciting, our first show today. When we started the road on Bebel, we, we realised very, very quickly it was all about how we feel. And so the community was really important. So I'm always interested in the story behind the smile. And it was important for me to get some great women on to the first few podcasts. And today we're inviting Virginia Foley from Brandwagon and Aussie.ie blog. And I was really excited to meet with Virginia. We've become really good friends and really interesting story. I never knew she was a taxi driver. I hope you enjoy. So welcome. Um, bizarre. I'm a little bit nervous, actually. This is the first ever Being Bell podcast. Um, and the whole idea is I've invited a few. And today, obviously, being the first day and starting my first one, I've invited one of my buddies. So, Virginia, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Um, Virginia has been a massive support to me and is part of my tribe. And um, we spend quite a bit of time together. And so, as I was saying earlier, I think it's always really important. I surround myself by positive people and the smiley people, but there's always a story that I'm interested in, and that story is behind the smile. So I've invited you today, Virginia, to tell us a little bit more about you. And we'll have a little natter about that. We're going to have a little talk about what being Bell is to you. Um, And then I'm going to check some questions for you to finish off this podcast. We like to keep it uh, short and sweet for two reasons. Um, I don't have a lot of time on my hands, but time is important. And when I do have the time, podcasts have become quite a big part of my life. Um, So we won't be going on too long. And we'd like to keep it to about 40, 45 minutes so people know what to expect from Bebel in the future. So welcome, Virginia. Um, I'd love to know your history. Where did it all begin? Well, where do we start? Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, So I suppose I grew up in Cork. Um spent, I suppose, yeah, four years in college. And in between those years, I discovered that there was this little break between June and uh, September that I could go crazy and be be okay with that. So I went off to America. Um, I went first to Montauk. Um, and then I decided, God, I actually really like Montauk and I, I think I'd live here. So I was supposed to come back and I had applied for, I did my degree in CIT and I had applied for a master's in UCC and I didn't even actually come back for the interview to even apply, you know. So I thought, okay, this is a bit odd. Missed my graduation, like important stuff that you probably should come home for. I didn't bother. (laughs) Um, And anyway, I decided to stay there for a while and give it a go. So to make a long story short, I was living there for about maybe seven or eight years with my now husband. So myself and Kevin, he had been there before. We had a lot of friends there. He had family that lived there. And what happened was we fell into a business. Um, So we ended up having a taxi business. Now, it was mostly his thing, to be fair. But like, bear in mind, I left Cork, never drove, like never sat behind the wheel of a car. And then all of a sudden I was in a place where, okay, not only do I need to drive a car, but I need to know about the car, you know, certain things about the car. I wasn't really a driver. I helped sometimes with dispatching. I helped like kind of get the word out there with the business. Um, But there was a few times where (laughs) I was thrown behind the car and it's just not my, I'm not great with directions anyway. Like this massive vision in my head now of this yellow taxi. It literally was a yellow taxi. Like it was hilarious. (laughs) But um, yeah, I suppose I learned a lot in college about the textbook version of what business should be. Um, No, I also bartended and worked in the service industry and other jobs, um, even to 
I suppose, even to get into the business, I had to work two or three jobs at the same time. So at one stage, there was people like going, didn't I see you at breakfast time? And I'm like, no, 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 that was my sister. You know, <laughs> But I suppose there was always a hustle there. And I, I really learned over there that you could be whoever you wanted to be once you worked hard enough. Um, so cut f- through then to a few years later when I came, I moved back to Ireland um, and I thought all this energy and all of this experience that I got abroad, I really felt I learned the textbook version in college and then I learned the real world version of, you know, how, how old were you when you came back? I was 29 when I returned. So okay. I spent most of my 20s there. So the laugh is like, yeah, I grew up in Cork, but like most of my firsts were in America, like my first car, my first apartment, living with somebody for the first time, you know, so it was, it was fun. It was great times, beach life during the day and then working at nighttime, made some of my best friends there. But right towards the end, I realised, you know, as great and all as this place was, I had an inkling that I don't feel I got the right advice in school. I felt like career-wise... I was more towards the creative side. I probably should have done something like design or graphics or something more visual. I ended up doing business, which stood to me, but I always felt there was a void there. So I went and I spoke to people and I was thinking, I'm going to go to FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go and do a design degree or whatever you get. Um, And I met a lady, a customer in the bar who said, you're crazy, don't go right into another college course unless you get some experience in the field. So I thought, how, am I, how would I do that? Like, you know, it didn't seem possible for me. So she said, oh, well, I have a fashion company. And I thought, like, you know, after two glasses of wine, everyone at the bar has a fashion company. I'm in. I'm in, you know, like, OK, tell me more. So she said, look, come in, live in my apartment for two or three weeks and I'll take you on as an intern. So I went in now thinking this is going to be like random now living with this person, you know. It turned out her company was selling fabric to Marc Jacobs, Diane von Furstenberg, Ralph Lauren, every name, names I couldn't even pronounce or they'd never heard of. So I worked there for a few weeks and then she said, look, come and work for me. So I used to commute then, spend a few days in the city living in a just a little apartment or like a room in somebody else's apartment, actually. <laughs> and then going back out on the weekends to my regular life. So it was like two things going on at once, but it was brilliant. It was like being... A mixture between Ugly Betty and The Devil Wears Prada. So I'd be sent to these offices that, A, I didn't know where they were or how to get to them. And I would just pretend that I knew what I was doing. Had no idea what I was doing. And you were selling them product? Fabric. like Fabric. So like say one of my customers would have been Converse. Converse would have been making a scarf, but it would have been white labelled by this company and the Converse label would be put on. But I did really stupid things. Like I sent people the cost price of things okay. when I was meant to, like I did really, really things that you wouldn't do but it was a laugh at the time I was just going going for it um, making and I mistakes with other people's money totally like, and like sneaking in for iced coffees on the way to wherever I was meant to be going getting lost losing two hours but I remember one time I was sent down to Mark Jacobs and at, at the time I, his name was just starting to come out you know so I was like this is actually probably a big deal like I should really you know think about this so I was going down to the office thinking that he was going to be there, like as you do when you're that green and, you know, young and not having a clue. But I went in and then I realised like behind all of these amazing big brands, there's a fabulous design team that you work with. And yes, of course, it has to go past whoever is the the owner of the house. But like I really got to see that people working in these brands were just like me and they were just going for it so I was really inspired by that but I suppose the timing was wrong because I did eventually move home just I was getting married the time was right so I felt like I I parked that and I wasn't done with it you know so then I came home and I thought this is great I've all this experience it's going to be amazing but when I came home to Ireland I really well of course 
we arrived and the recession like rolled in a few weeks after us. So, um, but I did realise that when I got back to Ireland, people expected a linear career path. They needed you to fit in a box. And if you didn't have three years at this or five years at this, my experience was so vast and it was so valuable to other businesses actually, but it didn't seem to matter. So I really felt somebody like burst my bubble, so to speak. And I let that happen too. I felt like there was kind of a society where nobody wanted you to do anything more than anybody else anyway. So. You knew too much about yeah, too much. and I was too young at the yeah. time to realise the value in what I knew. Um, and it's taken me years. And then what happened was I fell into, of course, I got married, had children, the battle of the ovaries and the ambition that always kicks in right about then, you know. Um, so that was happening. But like, I suppose at the time, the biggest thing that's I can see clearly now, I just didn't have the confidence to be like the conviction to tell people how experienced I was. I, I fell into admin roles, which I think a lot of females are kind of pushed into that. Um, I struggled with, like I was good on teams and I was good at working in places, but I always treated places like they were my own business. And I always thought, well, couldn't we do it this way? Because it would be better and it would be more beneficial. I always saw the bigger picture, I, I think. Um, but when what you're a junior person on the team, you probably... I was probably more blunt in my, my delivery of how I explained that should be was probably not good at the time, you know. And I find sometimes, because women, we do that, and then you're seen as the maverick. Mm. And you're not a maverick. Yeah. You're actually, it's common sense Yeah. to try and bring the best thing to the table. Yeah. But why do you think women are treated differently when they like that? And I find in a, in a situation, and I worked with men for a long, long time, I, I mm. work by myself now, but... I used to get that as well. If I came in with an idea, I was piping up. Mm -hmm. And if they came in with an idea, we'd give it a try. Yeah, it's funny. And sometimes, Mm. like, along the way, I learned to impart my ideas into other people. So it seemed like it was their idea. And then when they bring it to the table, it was who said it. And it's a good thing that I learned, actually, because I actually focused on the result. And sometimes you have to park the ego of, that was my idea, and I, I own that if you actually focus on the result of we're going to get this done, does it actually matter who delivers it once we get it done? So I took some satisfaction in some things being passed forward and moving forward because it was my idea. I just didn't necessarily need to tell everyone it was my idea, you know? No, absolutely. And that's difficult. That's Mm, difficult to release that, to give someone... to to let other people fail with your idea Mm. as well because that can happen too. Yeah. Um... It's interesting um, because I think we all do it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But from that, what do you think you learned from going into those kind of roles? Where did it take you? Well, I suppose I was always searching, frustrated, first of all, why I'm not moving forward fast enough. But I think a lot of people in their mid-30s kind of go, oh, I need to be on this salary and I need to be in this role with this title. When in fact... You're exactly where you're supposed to be. I just stopped putting pressure on myself. And then the fact that I had children, I felt like I was on the back foot again. And I felt like, God, I'm never going to get forward now. And I started to try to force things. And I tried to, at one stage, I was working full time. I was taking on clients on the side, trying to build up my experience. Then I decided to go back to college and do a master's because I felt, well, if they're not taking notice that I'm passionate and good at these things maybe a piece of paper saying that will actually prove to them yeah but in fact I was just trying to prove to myself and when I got that piece of paper I realized I'm exactly the same I had all this knowledge yes of course it's great to have it on paper but 
the more I stop thinking about, I suppose it's ego nearly, the more you park the ego and realise, no, you know what, I'm good at this, I can be good at this. Um, I just have to design it in a way that I'm comfortable with. So I suppose really, like most mothers have to do is redesign the time and focus on the things that, yes, there's financial pressures that you have to make a certain amount of money. But I focused on, well, first of all, I went out and worked for myself. That that helped. But I focus on the projects that I know I can bring the magic to because that just not, not only fills my, I suppose not your ego, but it fills your, it fills the tank projects that are good for the soul, are also good for business. Um, but striking the balance is so hard, you know. So for you to go into business by yourself, you were working the two together. You were working yeah. for someone and then yes. creating yep. your clients. Mm-hmm. And so when did you launch? When did you take that leap and, and how did you do it? Because well, that's quite nearly, scary. Well, it is nearly. By, I, I always knew I was going to do it, but it nearly happened by accident. So I worked for this company and I was their event events manager. It was it was Balnacar House in Kinsale. Lovely. One of Cork... Ireland's best kept secrets in terms of that five star exclusive private venues. You know, it was a place that Michael Jackson came and stayed. A lot of weddings happened there, but a lot of like corporate events happened there. So I was it was a fast paced environment. Um, You know, I was working full time, traveling up and down to Kinsale, collecting kids from crash, you know, the usual what everyone is doing, like, you know, the the juggling. Um, And then I realized, like, you know, I need to just stop. And I got a health scare. Actually, I had a Something happened in my mouth that um, they was a scare, like they thought it might be cancerous, so they did biopsies, and it really made me go, okay, this train is going to go off the track unless I stop and take stock of really what I'm doing. So um, I decided to just shift what I was doing, work part-time, and the owner at the time said, look, we don't want to lose you. Let's make this work. Why don't you just take over like the PR, the marketing, and do that in your time, and you can still feed into the team. So it was nearly forced in that the situation forced it to happen. No, I did that for about three years and it was amazing to have the safety net of having like a retainer, what they would say, like a lot of PR yes. companies. They had me for a certain amount of hours every week and they also had a cookery, have a cookery school, the Kinsale Gourmet Academy. So it allowed me to still work as part of a team, but work for myself and take on other projects. So striking the balance, it takes a couple of years um, and now I've moved forward again and what I studied was Brand storytelling was always my area. So now I am doing more of that. Everything is still the same. I still do PR. I still do events. I still do marketing. But it's under the, I suppose, the umbrella of brand storytelling, which is really where it all sticks together. People are overwhelmed by all of the like the digital and what should they do and how should they do it? And they see digital as an add-on instead of part of the main business. So I'm really... It's all coming to life for me now because I'm really making progress with clients who it's it's becoming really simple for them. And everything that I've ever worked for is actually coming into this business. So it's all it's all made sense. It's just taken me a long time to get here, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, but I think, you know, I think the storytelling, I think it's taken people a long time to realise how mm. important that is. Um, I buy off people that I love and I like. I want to know their story and how they built their business. I want to know how they thought of their name and the, where their passion comes from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the story is, is simple for, for me. I think it makes complete and utter sense. Yeah. And so how did you think of your name for your business? Um, it's actually a joke between myself and my husband. Everywhere <laughs> we went, I was always like, I suppose, 
critically but in a good way saying oh isn't that a good campaign if they had just done this that or the other thing and he would like here she goes she's back on her brand wagon and it just kind of got it's something that stuck and actually the more I thought about it it's about getting it's about building brands and getting your brand in motion so it made sense that there would be the visual of emotion to it because everything that gets your brand in motion brings you to the top of people's minds so whether it's an event whether it's in the newspaper, on TV, you know, just enlightening your team to actually engage in their own story because a lot of people are in business and their staff actually don't even get what their core values are. Yeah. So it just realigns things for people. But it actually did start from my husband going, here she goes again. That's know? amazing. <laughs> They're always the right yeah. names though, aren't they? They are, yeah. And they I, sit with I overthink with names. I think we all do. I can yeah. come up with great names for other people's stuff, but when it comes to your own stuff, it's really hard to break through and get yeah. that name, you know. And would you say now you're happy? Yeah, I really am. Um, and so what's the next step for you? Um, well, I am working on a little project. So as well as keeping the storytelling and the clients going, I've gone back to the kind of fashion routes and I am working on a project for, um, it's in the work, so I can't say too much, but <laughs> You're like something me. a little different. It. There's a story to it. Yeah. Um, and it's geared towards like, two to tweens you could say like I suppose what I have learned at this age is that all of the struggles and all of the things that I had to figure out by myself you really have to get through it yourself yes but I think we are shaping the future and there are a lot of things I've learned that I wish somebody came along when I was a child and helped me to see things that way so I am really really passionate about which every mother is but like passionate about passing it on to my children so they break through those comfort zones quicker like things like self-doubt motivation you know even the entrepreneurial um, skill set I'd love to actually pick the brains of people who are doing really well in business today and figure out is that learned is it something that they learned or something that they naturally have I think if you look at a lot of people there's family members parents or you know friends that have influenced their trail of thought when they were younger like I'd love to pick the brains of even people in Cork or beyond to figure out was it something that happened in your life that gave you that fire in your belly or was it the way that somebody shaped your trail of thinking? So that is something that just I'm interested in anyways. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, I think for me, I was definitely shaped that way. Mm-hmm. My, my father was an entrepreneur, but they were grafters. Mm-hmm. So as I was growing up, they always worked so hard. Mm-hmm. You know, they worked 24-7. So we would see them when we saw them. They ran pubs and hotels, so we always okay. lived above. Um and so we got we had our first jobs at six, you know, it was yeah. collect the glasses, that was it. And then you'd do anything to get a job mm-hmm. to actually get out of the pub. So were your parents, did they leave you, so were they both out of work? Was your mum at home? What, um, what did you see? Well, I saw that, I suppose they were from a different generation and I did see with my mum in particularly, she didn't get the education. She was a really bright, clever woman who didn't get the opportunity to educate herself. Yeah. Um, and I think that always was a void in her now that she didn't get to do that. So I suppose I feel a little edge that I need to, I've always been trying to upskill and learn a bit more, learn a bit more everywhere I go, even if it's only a networking event. I will leave there with something that made me better for going there in the first place. You know, I just won't go there willy nilly to, hi, how are you? Like, I'll go there with a focus of leaving with, even if it's only a sprinkle of something. Yes. Um, but I did see that, you know, though it was a different time, I did see from them that like they weren't in business or anything yeah. like that. But some of the best business tips that I've learned have been from, say, my mother or people that like we joke about it. She has this phrase that um, 
it's not her phrase, but she always says, you have two ears and one mouth, so you yes. should listen twice as much as you talk. Is that not the best business rule that you've ever come across? How many people don't even listen to their customers and they push down their messages without really understanding if it's connecting with their audience? So there's a lot of, like, I suppose, life skills that were passed on, working hard, you yeah. know, um, focusing, stuff like that. But I suppose we're in, an op- we're in a place now that we can pass on all of these, like, nuggets of knowledge to our kids you know, yeah. Um, please God, if they listen to us, mine don't. Right? <laughs> Get them to say it out loud. Yeah. I will say, if you if you verbalise it, you never yeah. forget it. If I tell you, it will go in one year and out of another exactly. year. They have but, to see me do it, and that's actually yeah. very much it's the best the example that I can tell them about my dreams, or I can show them what they are, and when they see it come to life. So the little thing that I am working on they're now actually part of it and they feed into it. Brilliant. And I do think they'll be my audience for that, you know. So yes. I suppose I've been growing other people's businesses, um, sometimes on the QT that I've been working with people and building up their stuff, so much so that I haven't even looked at my own business till now that I'm starting to re-look at yeah. my own messages. But um, yeah, I feel I've grown enough people's businesses and I'd like to start watering my own plants yeah. now, you know. And from what you've done so far, and you're not allowed to say having mm. children, because that's okay, always the first right. answer on a mother's lips. Mm-hmm. But what's been your proudest moment? What's the one moment that you're like, actually, that was a, a little turning point. That was my light bulb moment. Um, I know a lot of people say, oh, my best achievement is my children. And yeah. I don't think like that. And it's not to say that they're not an achievement. But I think yes. it's very easy to tangle your work life and your home life and tangle your self-worth into the middle of that. Yeah. Brilliant that I have children. I'm blessed and I'm proud of that. But I try to separate my, I suppose, the self-worth part, worth part away from that. Um, in a work scenario, I suppose the fact that um, I feel that I've, I'm striking the balance. I still have a long way to go, but I look at other people struggling and missing life, missing the moment. Um, so I feel like striking the balance and continuing to try to do that has been really important or a good point for me. Obviously, graduating with a master's was something that um, in my family that, you know, we've they've gone to college and stuff, but I don't know if anyone's got to that level. Um, even the fact that the thesis was in storytelling, very few people in Ireland yeah. actually can say that they're qualified to the point that they've written and researched on that topic. Um, loads of people are doing it and they're doing a fabulous job but there's many ways to skin a cat. So I am proud of the fact that I'm at that level. Um, what else am I proud of? Um, the small wins, you know, getting people to, igniting in them that fire that they can do it. I, I really take a lot out of going into a business that people think, oh, I, I only have this and I only sell this. And actually realigning it to let them see, no, you're doing this and this and this. And it's it's amazing, like, you know, so um, even... Harper's Hats is a good example. I've been doing a little bit of work with Leslie and to see where she's come from. Nothing like I'm not saying it's because I'm involved in that, but to see progress and to have a tiny part in that is very, very proud of those kind of of things, you know. You've Um, done some amazing charity work as well. Yeah, like working with Maeve, actually. That was a good one that not that I underestimated how good charity work can be, but it was very um, satisfactory to feel that like the work that you can do can be for a greater good yes. for people that are having the worst times of their lives, you know. And obviously that wasn't just me, Maeve. It was the team effort that 
brought those results about, but it feels good to have been part of that. You know? And what was that event? It was called? Uh, that was called, can't even remember, Become. <laughs> That's Become. bad, isn't it? No, uh, yeah, but so we raised like over 24,000 euros but there for was Marymount. A, a lot of women there that there day. There was, yeah. And I think the energy was there and... Well, how many? There was about... There was about 550. Five, yeah, yeah, 550 yeah. women in one room. And in fairness to Maeve, that sold out in like a day or something. Yes. You know? So it just goes to show when you're you're being your authentic self and telling your story, people stick to it, you yeah. know. And I know I'm not going down the storytelling route again, but like there is definitely so much like we're flooded with information on social, but we're all gasping for knowledge. And it's a yeah. small bit of knowledge from somebody else has got that has gone through something is more impactful now than, you know, than yeah. before. No, it's amazing. And Look, you know, with with obviously the title of of the podcast being Belle, what is being beautiful to you? What makes somebody beautiful? What makes you attracted to them? What makes you want to spend time with them? Um, I think when they're being themselves and being authentic and not sticking to trends or I, I see a lot of it, like everyone's Instagram feed looks the same. Everyone's trying to look a certain way and be a certain way and... The ones You're not that getting I your stick lips done. To, oh no. <laughs> but the ones that I stick to are the ones that like I don't care what your face looks like. Yeah. I want to hear what rolls off your tongue. That's more impactful for me and that's more powerful. I think we have a bigger job to do on social to cut through the noise and actually it's about what we say and not about what we look like. Oh know? no, absolutely. I'm going straight to CISO after this, Philips. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I, and it's not to knock people who do no, that. No, absolutely. Makes you feel Listen, confident. I think Great. live and let Go live. For it. Live and let live. You know? If it makes you feel good, yeah. get it done. But um, yeah, I think that's really what it's about, being your authentic self. And actually, when I think about it, when I was a child, I would probably have enjoyed the ads more than the programmes. Even if I tuned in then to realise that that's where you should that's be. That's what I'm into. And even in school, like we had this, I don't know if you had in school, remember fancy paper? Did you have fancy paper in school? But you smell it. So like, like you'd have these fancy like pencils, rubbers, paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we used to swap them. And very early on, I realised if I don't like this piece of paper and I want her piece of paper, I could ask her to swap and that would go one way. But then I realised if I talk up this piece of paper and make it sound amazing, <laughs> she is going to want to pull this from my hand. So I realised really young that the power of persuasion is in words. Yeah. And I knew then what I wanted to be and do. I wanted to be around words in some way, yeah. I suppose you could say. But life gets in the way and bad career choices and a career advice probably doesn't happen. But it's only now I'm coming back to the same things that I loved then. I love now. It's just that now I have the confidence to go for them, you know. And would you would you pitch something that you didn't believe in? No. Never. Yeah. But that's the difference. I, I wouldn't know how think? to string the words together, though. I wouldn't yeah. actually. It should be organic and it should make sense. Like, I, I think if you really, really didn't like that fancy paper at all, yeah. you'd still find it very difficult. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't think I was ever in sales till I was 40. Yeah. And, and someone said, but you are a salesperson. Mm. And I said, no, I'm not. I just tell you about things that I love. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realise that was sales. Mm. Um, but I was very good at it. Yeah, isn't it funny, though? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes being put in a category, though, kind of freaks yes. people out a bit. And there's a bit of like paralysis by analysis, too. You can overthink things and go, well, I'm in sales. I should be doing this, this or the other. And actually, it's whatever feels right is what you should be doing. You know? No, absolutely. And it, as, a, you know, as I just said, if you love something, actually, it's not sales. Yeah, it doesn't feel like because sales. Because you are only recommending mm -hmm. something that is important to you and something that you love. Mm -hmm. But... Um, we have a bowl in the middle of the table and in that bowl there are some uh, just 
quick fire questions that okay. I'd love to uh, kind of finish on. Okay. Right. Um, so I'm some scared. have been left by people. They're not. They're not from me. So. Okay. I'm going to get you to pop your hand in the bowl and take a little question hmm. for me. Okay. I can read my handwriting. Okay. <laughs> this is the worst career advice I ever got. How long have we got for this podcast? <laughs> Love this one. No, uh, the worst career advice I ever got. I think I went back after, I won't say where because, you know, it's Get not relevant. <laughs> <laughs> but the worst career, career advice I got was a HR manager after I came back off maternity leave. Bear in mind now, you know, after maternity leave, you're coming back feeling very, I suppose, vulnerable. And he said, look, you know, I've my own daughters and I've seen women work here. The best thing you could do now is get your legs under a desk and go for a kind of a safe role, basically. So I actually thought, oh, my God, that was for me the catalyst to go. Bye bye now. Oh, I see. see you. Yeah. Thank you. Next, you know, and that was the moment where I went. I need to actually take stock of things because people aren't seeing my value and maybe I'm not explaining it or whatever. Yes. But when I heard that for me, it was it was that light bulb moment of. Mother of God, what did he just actually say that? And this was in like, this wasn't back in like the 80s or the 90s. You know what I mean? This was probably about maybe six years ago. That's mad. Yeah, it's shocking. Actually, do you know, um, he meant well now to be fair, like I wouldn't knock the person that said it. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't. And I could understand what he meant, you know, take it handy. He probably saw that I was a bit fierce in the way that I wanted (laughs) to move forward. And maybe the way I articulated that at the time probably made him think I need to get her in a safe quiet role sit her in the corner back in your box yeah absolutely it it probably was the worst but the best and it's like thank you thank you thank you for those moments because they're the the things that pushed me to take stock and take control and to just to drive the bus instead of looking for the seat down the back you know yeah I'm driving. No. See, I'm driving again. <laughs> Small words make big differences, yeah. don't they, Jess? Yeah, I'll grab another again? one. Okay. You're going again. Mm. Okay. Best saying you use all of the time. I can't say swear words, so that... No, okay. Let me think about I have that. to say, I, lo- I love your mums, and I actually yeah, use your yeah, mums all the time. Yeah. Two years, one mouth. Yeah. But um, And another one is like, a lot of people try to explain things, and I always say to people when I'm working with them, if it's a tech company or if it's, you know, a service, it doesn't really matter. You need to explain things as if your granny was listening to it. It should be that simple. You should know enough about it to simplify it back to if your granny read it in a headline on the Echo, she should understand it. So I say that often. Um, definitely the two ears and one, you know, two ears and one mouth. What else? I often used don't look at how it looks. Yeah. Think about how it feels. Yeah. Because actually, if we listen to our gut more often, mm, I think definitely. we'd waste. Uh, we, sorry, we'd waste. We would save so much time yeah, and because... so much procrastinating. And I also like the idea of again. I, I know I keep going back to work stuff, but selling the the sizzle instead of selling the steak when you're talking about your business, like people react to emotions, and we could say, oh, you know, this is the product and this is what it does, instead of telling people how it changes their lives or yes. helps them or you know so that's another simple one um, for companies a lot of them especially in services need to talk about themselves as if they're products and they need to productize themselves um, so a lot of service people got get caught up in like oh, what, what are we what are we doing but yeah simple 
people are simple and we need it in a simple way and we need people it to make simple. sense. Well, yeah, in a good way. Like people really need Talk for yourself. nowadays. <laughs> no, nowadays though, I think we're there's so much yeah, stuff. Yeah. There's so much white noise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, so that's perfect. Things. Last one for me. All right, okay. Is this your way of not talking? Oh yeah, do you know, <laughs> like I hate talking, you know yeah, me. Really, I know. I'm so shy and uh, <laughs> Oh, this is an essay. Okay. You're at the party. No, I'm at Let the pearly gate. You read it because you're writing. <laughs> what are you saying about my writing? It is atrocious. Um, you're at the pearly gates. Oh, I thought I'd prefer the pearly gates. <laughs> is there such a thing? No, I'm just saying I'd rather oh, be at okay. the party than at the pearly gates. But anyway, Well, I let's just pretend this is our heaven. Okay. Right. okay. I used to go to heaven, actually. Good nightclub. <laughs> um, there's a limited amount of space and you have to get in. Oh. Make your plea. Of why I should get in. Why you should get in over me. Oh, well, I think, you know what, always, and it's been kind of ingrained into me and I try to ingrain it into the kids as well. If you can be anything in this world, just be kind. I think kindness goes a long way. And I know in business, maybe that's a bit naive because nice isn't going to win you a negotiation. But in the long run, as people like we come into the world with nothing, we'll go out of the world with nothing, you know. So like what we need along the way is very little, but people get caught up with stuff instead of the impact that they have on people, you know. So I think that's really, that will go a lot further than, of course, your work ethic and everything else. But like to be kind to people and to be grateful for things and not talk, like not be focused on stuff. Like even for kids too, we focus on giving them stuff, stuff, stuff. I'd rather give them tools how to deal with things because the more everything is accessible now, the more we have access to, the less satisfied we are. So my plea would be, I think I've been kind to a lot of people and I got that kindness back all of the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's... Makes such a difference. doesn't matter what your religion, you can always be kind. Oh, absolutely. And funnily, actually, I've, I've two friends um, in the UK and the other day one of them was saying, um, one of the friends, she said, but she was very privileged, Sean. She had a really privileged background and she had this and she had that. And I said, you know what, actually, I think I had a very privileged background um, my parents gave us as much time as they could. They didn't throw money at us. But I remember every Friday, my dad would give us £10 from his wages, a little brown envelope, and he'd take us to the Smiths of our time mm -hmm. and say, you can buy one game. And the rest of that day would be the four of us playing that game. Yeah. And they're the fondest memories. Mm -hmm. So my other friend might have had, you know, material things thrown mm -hmm. at her but I don't remember her telling me about these amazing times mm -hmm. they had as a family yeah. and I, I really think like like I hate clutter mm. I don't do it anymore if anything over the last 10 years I've emptied my house of material stuff because it doesn't make any difference mm -hmm. to me but experiences make a massive mm -hmm. difference um, so, and, and it's going back to what made me really happy when I was a kid Yeah, isn't it funny? it's making me happy yeah. now experiences and time like giving people your time is absolutely really important so do you think you're going to get into heaven quicker than I am is that what you're saying kind of <laughs> kind of <laughs> you want to read my plea <laughs> it's so big yeah. uh, brilliant so just to finish off can you leave us with a parting thoughts and wise words okay. Virginia um, mine would be hurry up and be the person that you already are in your head because we spend so much time letting our ego step in the way when we already know who we want to grow into. So it's I know we're 40 and we should know this stuff already. But actually, 
we're all still trying to figure it out and nobody has the answers but just to park the ego and go for it and just hurry up and be the person you already are in your head brilliant well everything you said today it, it resonates with me obviously that's why we're friends um, thanks so much because time is really precious and thank you for spending the time with me today I loved it thank I'm you I'm so honoured to be your first I'm so excited Yay. brilliant and we're thanks. not podcast virgins anymore no, no we? I know <laughs> flying it cool.